Hello and welcome to Level Selects, a podcast where we explore the video game levels, the iconic, the best, or just your personal favorite sometimes. One level at a time. And this week, we are... Actually, no, not this week. This entire month, I'm going to welcome you to the maddening multiplayer in March. If only there was an easier way to convey that without copyright infringement. That said, we're highlighting multiplayer maps in March, because why not? So, that said, what's on our plate this episode, Dylan Tierney? Hi, I'm Dylan Tierney. I'm the guest for this week, and uh, you might know me from such podcasts as P&B and Grind Forever. This is my first level select, though, if you don't count me being killed in the uh, pilot Yes, you were technically dead, we'll, we'll and I about, revived we'll you. We'll talk about my revival soon, soon I think, but we're not, I'm not ready to... It's kind of personal, you know? So Yeah, we could be recording this in the past. Oh, God. And you could be still dead. I'm future Dylan. I've come back to kill Frieza. Um, Dear God. Okay, save right. that for another podcast. <laughs> anyway, so what is your game? Um, Given that uh, you, you preface this with multiplayer month, my first instinct for multiplayer in a couch co-op kind of environment was uh, Super Smash Brothers. Um, Weird. I was going to say Crash Bash, but uh, you know what? You, you do you. God. I already want to leave the podcast, but... <laughs> Isn't that a Mario Party game? Um, it's it's like a Mario Party adjacent things. It's like, you know, Crash Team Racing, but like, you know, did that with like Mario Kart. Like, okay, let's make like a party game of this. Get like four characters and... And all that, like all your favorite uh, Crash Bandicoot characters, like uh, Coco and Tiny Dingle Dial, and Tiny this new Gorilla we had to introduce, despite being like eight other characters you could have used for this. Um, Universal is not a great publisher of games. Doesn't just putting it out like there. It. So anyway, you were talking about co- couch co-op. Uh, yeah. So my first instinct was uh, to get a Super Smash Brothers. Um, Probably one of my most beloved series of all time, um, both on a level of just being a casual fan of fighting games, um, or like a like a more competitive angle. Like Smash Brothers is always a spectacle for me, and unlike a lot of fighting games, I'd say the stage, the level, is very important to how a match could play out. See, in a in a, a genre that Smash Brothers kind of invented, which is the platform fighter. Um, mobility and jumping is always such an uh, integral part of how you play. So, uh, picking the right stage in Smash Brothers with your character is very important. You know, if you're if you're a character like I don't know Bayonetta, um, that that does really well on platforms because she's all about getting these high aerial combos. Um, you're gonna want to go for a stage like Town and City or Battlefield over a stage like Final Destination where a character like Fox can thrive because he's all about low air combos. Um, but the stage I wanted to actually highlight today um, is neither one of those, and it's not even from Super Smash Bros. for Wii U, which I was just referencing. Um, it's actually from Super Smash Bros. Brawl, which is about 10 years old, give or take a couple weeks. As, as of this recording, it's actually, yeah, 10 years it's of a It's a Brawl. very early, uh, oh gosh, 2008 release. It was something like February like it's, it's or March, so. and, and not to dig too into it, but I mean, like, it was delayed pretty substantially. Rumor has it um, that it was to uh, get Sonic the Hedgehog in the game, um, because out of all the characters in the game, he's definitely the one in that little story mode they had where he just shows up at the end and it's like, hey guys, I'm gonna turn Super Saiyan and just blow up the bad guy and and there I am mm-hmm. like 
he, he seems very shoehorned in there. Um, but it was a game that was supposed to originally be around launch, kind of like Melee, where it wasn't at launch. It was a few weeks after. Brawl is going to be that for the Wii. Um, but it ended up coming out like a year and a half almost after. Um, just because January 31st, 2008 in Japan, Japan and March 9th in North America. Oh man, that is coming up. And then like June for like Europe and Australia. Yeah, like, I gotta get the PAL regions. Yeah, of course. Um, PAL. Our PALs, yes. Our PALs that get games years after we do for some reason. But yeah, Brawl was um, a bit controversial at the time on a few different levels. It was, it was, really, it was really when the Wii, I think... People are starting to uh, get the glimmer off the Wii, and it's like, man, this 480p game on my on my HD television really is not doing any of these characters justice. Like, and it's a it, Brawl had an intentionally more gritty, realistic art style. Like, oh, you can see the seams on Mario's fucking overalls for some reason, because you know that's I I oh, they're not gonna do that ten years later with uh, another game in the series. Uh, no, not at all. No, but it was just different for <laughs> Brawl at the time because like. Think about it. You have to get all these characters from all these franchises to fit this one aesthetic. So when they're all going your toys in one one little game, yeah. It, so when you try and put it into one thing, it just comes off as weird in some instances. Twilight Princess, you know, that was the the Zelda game at the time. So Link kind of naturally just fit in there. Mario did not have that luxury. Mario, his most recent game was Sunshine, which is more of like a stylized, silly goof about, if you will. So, um, but as I was actually mentioning earlier, uh, the stages, uh, Brawl introduced a lot of new stages, all different types of stages, um, that involved a lot of rotating camera angles and incorporating games into the stages a little bit. Like the WarioWare stage, you would have to do little micro games, kind of like WarioWare, um, in order to just kind of progress in the stage. So, like, if you just didn't do a WarioWare thing, you'd get punished. Um... But the stage I'm talking about mostly today also follows in those footsteps. It is Smashville. It is, uh, the, Smashville. It is the Animal Crossing stage representative. Um, there's no character in Brawl that represents Animal Crossing, really. So the next best thing is a stage. And that's where Smashville kind of comes into play. It It is one of the most neutral stages in Super Smash Bros. history in that... Um, it is one big stage, like your Final Destinations, but it has a moving platform that hovers right above it, and that small distinction can actually make or break some certain matchups and characters. Um, so for a more competitive mindset of player, Smashville is a much more neutral option than even something as simple as Final Destination, which everybody makes the jokes about, you know, like, Fox, mm -hmm. Fox only, Final 1v1, 1v1 yeah. Yeah, Final, yeah. No items. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's the joke, but in reality, I'd say Smash in Smash Brothers Brawl and in Wii U, probably the most overall neutral stage. And and uh, let's see uh, how I was. Uh, I, I also wanted to mention um, just like my, my cursory glance. I, I hardly ever played any Smash Brother, oh Super Smash Brother games besides um, Melee, and it was actually kind of like, kind of funny. Like the most I've ever played Melee. Or like any Smash Brothers was at the dentist's office. Oh in, my uh, god! When it was living in Michigan. Oh yeah, it, it was. It's it's hilarious just thinking about it now. That's like that's my only uh, you know like five ten minute bursts of it at the dentist's office. Wow, that is that's, that that's is pretty much my quite, only exposure to Melee. Was that just to keep kids calm or something like? No, it, it, was, it was just in the lobby. <laughs> that, that was it. Like I, I I didn't know what it was. Like oh cool, there's Mario and and other characters. I don't know what this is. Uh, but too busy playing PlayStation All Stars even back then. Like ten years before the end. 
It was called Crash Bash. Um, Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Full circle. Full circle. Anyway, so yeah, I just want to get to get to the when I was just looking at the various stages. It, it did feel like kind of like I don't say like Nintendo uses, but more like steals wholesale from themselves for stages. The stages are either like an iconic area from a Nintendo game, like a North Air or like Green Greens from like Kirby, mm-hmm. or like a condensed version of a Nintendo game like Picto Chat, or like you said, Smashville. Or just like this is exactly what you know. It's showcasing what um, this game is, right? Oh, right. I, I, I've never, uh, it, you know, bo- both are fairly like fan servicey as hell, but you know, Smashville and like Picto Chat work more as like advertisements for other Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. Like I've never experienced War War War. I can't speak today. WarioWare tongue. WarioWare, and I think like WarioWare Inc. is real inventive. That stage at, on uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. And, you know, Smashville has also all these cute cute animals and real-world time-related changes. If you like surprises, go play Animal Crossing City Folk out later this year in 2008. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of that in Smash Brothers for sure, of, of kind of not-so-subtle advertising. I mean, one of the DLC characters for the new Smash game was from a Fire Emblem game that hadn't even come out yet. You know, the sixth Fire Emblem character, the one we were all begging for. Which one is that? Was that Marth? No, oh God, no, no! I'm, Vega? I'm joking. It's it's like the main character from <laughs> Fire Emblem Fates, who was uh, let's see, Corin, I believe. And while not too terrible of a character, it's just like, really, do we need a studio? Do we need another guy with a sword? And do we need a sixth Fire Emblem character? I so. mean, you can be be a, be a me and have like a sword in this. It's like, how is that any different besides a few different moves, kind of thing? But it's, I digress. It's one of those, There's a huge a library thing, yeah. to begin with for like Nintendo, and mm-hmm. you choose that character. Exactly, exactly. You go with like a just. Oh, we got to sell this game that's coming out soon. Like, why not do this? At least Bayonetta had a sense of like, oh, we're getting the. This is a non Nintendo game, but like, no, we're, we're making this a Nintendo character. Right. Oh God, yeah. Um, but back to Smashville, it was kind of uh, in that uh, hype uh, release window of City Folk, but it's actually, if if you want to get super technical, it is based on Wild World, uh, the DS game. Um, in terms of where you are and what you're doing, you know, Smashville never existed before. There was never a floating platform in the sky that you went to in Animal Crossing. I regret to inform you. <laughs> You can never jump in Animal Crossing, if I remember correctly. No, you cannot, unless you've, like, fallen a hole. But that is that really jumping? Or are you being forced to fall? Mm. <laughs> um, but no, the locales and the areas in Smashville are, uh, iconically, if you're an Animal Crossing, like, savant like myself, it's Wild World aesthetics. The buildings are all from Wild World. The town hall, like, everything, which is minorly updated as you go through the games... Um, and that was the that. Uh, DS game. It yes, was the yes, second yes. Animal Crossing. And it was the one, one. that yeah. introduced Wi-Fi. It was the one that kind of uh, made it more of like a multiplayer experience compared to the first Animal Crossing, where it was kind of like you and your own town, where you could take it to other towns, but it was you know basically like old school file sharing of taking your memory card to another console. Like having it on a DS on was, the DS was a lot yeah. more appealing, and I think and it was one of the first uh, Nintendo Wi-Fi connection games, also. Um, but where Smashville kind of comes into its own, it starts being uh, a bit more of like a Smash Brothers staple. Um, 
and and why it's competitive, but also it's it's very much like highlighting the the Nintendo aspects the Nintendo of it. Aspects it's... of it for sure. Yes, and and it actually, uh, humorously enough, will change its aesthetic in its its um, day and night depending on the Wii's internal clock. Um, so if it's night. It's gonna be night on the stage, and it's gonna they're gonna have big uh, lights kind of lighting the way so you can still see. Um, and it even does the KK slider comes in on a Saturday night and plays like he'll just be in the background whittling a song, um, like while oh, you yeah, play. Oh yeah, Saturday nights between 8 p.m. and, and 12 and midnight. You, you get yeah, like literally like four hours. Right. So it takes that aspect of Animal Crossing and puts it into the stage, giving the stage a bit more personality than exactly a, a platform with a smaller platform on top. Um. And like Animal Crossing has like over like thirty characters, distinct characters like you know like NPCs you, you would see throughout the entire Everybody series. Everybody from Crazy and Red to them. Joan, and everyone's there. Even the Animal Crossing villager that shows up in Smash Four, it it, it kind of looks like him. Anyway, he has the same shirt and the same like head shape, haircut. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was that aspect of Smash Four when I was doing when I was looking into it more. Of like, oh man, like they they put a lot of heart into making this stage more than just two platforms, like. It, it 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 really catches the essence of the the game and the way that characters will for their respective games, um, because at the time Sakurai, like, like Animal Crossing characters uh, had been petitioned a little bit, you know, like yeah, we want to represent a different Animal Crossing, maybe like Tom Nook or KK mm-hmm. Slider, um, but but Masahiro Sakurai, the game director, didn't want to put in a character that seemed forced, um, right. or at least that he wasn't into, like a gag character, joke kind of thing. Um, but if he couldn't realistically see how it worked, he wasn't going to do it. And he didn't want, like, you know, oh, you have an axe. Well, he didn't want a guy to use an axe. He would later rescind these opinions uh, in <laughs> the villager that you see in Super Smash Brothers for 3DS and Wii U. But um, at the, Wii Fit Trainer. Uh, and yeah. also, yeah, more more gag characters. The more the merrier. Like, they made Duck Hunt basically Banjo-Kazooie. So... <laughs> um, it, it's... It's an interesting and like the resonance too, ha- ha- like ca- kind of like reacted to your actions or or like a player's actions, where they they see like often like stare down a player who caused another player's death sometimes too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes they'll just react with like a, a crazy face that they'll sometimes do. Like if if you catch somebody with a smash attack or something. And how many other stages have a literal crowd for you? Um, to my knowledge, not any until the next games other Animal Crossing stage, which is based off of City Folk, <laughs> uh, Town oh, and okay, City. Yeah. So, like, that's the only one with, with a, a crowd to get just react to stuff that happens to you. And man, they, they, you're not kidding when they have so many characters uh, just kind of uh, there and just reacting. Like, Dr. Shrunk and all these weird, just obscure, I'd say almost, looking at this list, one-off Wild World characters. Like, does anybody remember Phyllis, the fucking... The, the mail lady at night when the mail office is closed, she just oversees it. Like, <laughs> no, nobody does. Like, she wouldn't even make an Amiibo card, man. Smashville, I'd say, uh, for the reasons that I talked about of, like, how it catches, captures the essence of Animal Crossing, um, com- combined with its competitive nature, I think, is what makes it so memorable. And, like, if they keep making Smash Brothers games... I don't see why they wouldn't include something like Smashville. If they had to pick one stage from Brawl, I think it would be Smashville. It has reached that iconic level. Like, for Smash players and the competitive scene, 
Smashville is just as it's, you know, part and parcel with Final Destination in terms of iconic Smash stages. It's just always there. Like you have to you you have to unlock Town and City in Smash 4. You get Smashville from the start. Mm-hmm. So it it does seem like a like very much like stage where it's like, well, it's a stage for people who take the game seriously, but not like deadly seriously. The deadly series always choose final uh, destination. Yeah, like that's, unironically. Right. Yeah. Like that's the yeah. That is definitely the joke, but I would definitely I would for sure say that, that um Smashville is like in my brief stint as a I won't say I was a competitive Smash Brothers player. I went to an arcade that took it seriously and had fun with other people. Um, yeah, I participated in tournaments and all that. It's like, yeah, it's good fun. Everybody's starting stage is, is, is Smashville because it is such a neutral stage for a lot of characters. You know, a lot of characters that are more grounded with swords and stuff, they need to get high in the air. And they can't do that if there's just Final Destination, one platform. You know, a little bit more mobility and a little bit more reach goes a long way mm-hmm. for a lot of characters. You know, your Clouds and your Marths and your people who don't have giant boost attacks like, you know, Bayonetta and Fox, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, let's go back to the, the actual stage of uh, Smash, Smash Builds, mm-hmm. where, like, you mentioned, we mentioned earlier that it has, like, one tiny, um, oh gosh, horizontally moving platform mm-hmm. that goes left to right yeah. periodically. And then you, you have the, the tiny platform where all the little uh, townsfolk of uh, Animal Crossing are there behind a fence just looking at you and there's either KK Slider during that one time playing a little concert and his music or you know the, the tree stump and like have all the townsfolk you know just on looking at the four characters on mm-hmm. but it's just it's just that like, there's so much going on on that tiny little platform to begin with and if the characters on top of you know like, it's not that much it's it's a tight space there it, it's not like you have like a huge plane to work it's with certainly not the one of the larger smash brothers stages even among the more simplistic ones i'd say it's smaller than your final destinations and things like that it's certainly no like wispy woods where it's just a tree you know but oh, okay i mean it's still rather small i'll i'll, I'll, I'll give it that credit that it, it does keep you in tighter spaces which is again if you want to go back to the nature of matchups and characters and how they fight against each other some characters are better at long range. Your Samuses and things like that. So, got all the projectiles. Exactly. Up exactly. close and personal. It's perfect for that. Oh, of course. But it, it, it's very much like you need to you need to have like your your Y axis straight first. It's not all X axis. You, you have no, to be up no, in the no, air. No, 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 no. And it should be noted that that second platform that's kind of hovering around, it's one of the ones in Smash Brothers where you can fall through, um, which also brings a level of kind of mind games and trickery like. If I fall on this stage, I could just keep going, and then I could catch you trying to, like, oh, you thought I was going to land on the platform. No, I fell through it, and then I'm going to punish you for it. Like, this little, mm. tiny split decisions like that are what makes Smash Brothers Smash Brothers. Um, and is, is it, like, falling through as in, like, okay, you, you hold down, you, you hold down, like, the uh, crouch button... You know, like like holding down on the uh, thumbstick mm-hmm. and, and you hit a button and you go under. Exactly. Kind of yes. like that? Well, okay. you, can, you could just use just the stick if you flick it, like, fast enough. Um, you could just, just okay. use the stick to fall down. Or if you're, like, in a falling state, like you're just falling because you got hit, you can just go mm. through the stage completely and bypass it. Um, if you if oh, you so choose okay, if I you see. choose to do so. so. That's what you mean by, like, a falling platform. Yes, exactly. Okay. Like, it, it'll always stay in its position, but it's just not... It's it's not like the bottom stage where you can't really go through it. So, although it is, okay, it so is it's not like a hard platform. Okay, it's humorous. Some of the more floaty characters, like um, like Kirby, Jigglypuff, 
and even your bayonetas and foxes and things like that. You can go under the stage and reach the other side that way. Um, it's not mm -hmm. limited, and and actually, um, in in a lot of cases, um, so stage spiking is when you hit a character and they bounce off a ledge or they bounce off a wall or a floor, and then they 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 kind of just fly at it like a pool ball, you know? Okay. Um, and th this stage with its sort of slanted edges is kind of notorious for that. Um, there's a lot of characters that can bounce off of ledges and stuff, you know, like Mario can bounce off walls, that kind of thing. But, um, there's also a lot of characters who can get punished by that kind of thing just because of the angle that the stage is on. If you look on its left and right sides, it is, I, I wouldn't know what angle it would be, but it's outward in a way where you could be, like, if you're just kind of hanging around the ledge, it's easy for a character to get in there and punish you for it. Um, okay. and, and, right. and there's actually techniques in the game where, like, if you are getting spiked like that, if you, like, press the shield button as you're getting hit, um, you'll actually just, like, slightly bounce off and be able to recover. But then again, like, there's so many layers to Smash Brothers techniques that, that you just wouldn't really think of. Like, oh, and, and like, it's called a tech. When you tech, uh, you, when you tech the wall, it means you just lightly bounce off of it. But you're still kind of vulnerable at that spot. So if your opponent knows you're going to attack, then they can... It's it's all the fighting game mind gamery, which is why I love Smash Brothers as a fighting game. I really I really do feel that it is a one of the most unique fighting games in its class. And it's inspired so many ripoffs and knockoffs, especially right now. Uh, there's a lot of mm -hmm. platform fighting games that, that have just sprung up in over the years because of Melee and because of Smash in general. It's not as technical at all, but there's definitely, like, a huge meta going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, every... <laughs> nook and cranny is, um... Oi. Is... There's something going on, like, in Brawl specifically, you know, it was infamous for the old tripping thing. Um, if you just... If you just mashed the stick around and kind of dash dance like you could in, uh, Smash Brothers Melee, you trip, and then you'd be, you'd be vulnerable to an attack, and sometimes that could happen just randomly. That was part of the fun of Brawl, people were trying to say, is that it, random shit happened. No matter what, even if you took items off, you can't turn tripping off. Well, it's kind of like the argument of, like, you know, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a leap, but, like, Shadows of, a Shadow of the Colossus, where, like, oh, my well, horse doesn't, like, operate like a car like like I want it to. Like, no, like, I'm, we're trying to be, like, more realistic here. Like, the horse won't obey to every action mm -hmm. you'll do. So that thought, you know, transferring that to Smash Brothers, where it's like, oh, you know, sometimes you fail. Sometimes, you know, you do something you don't intend to do at all. Which, like, I kind of see that, but also it's a fighting game. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it seems like it's a, it's a mode you can shut off and say, like, no tripping. Like, just just like how you can do, like, you can turn off the items and turn off, like, the little stage um, interactions. And speaking of stage interactions, you, you were mentioning earlier about uh, an honorable mention mm -hmm. of... Uh, of, uh, okay, what was it called again? Lycan? Uh, or? Lilat Cruise was the specific Lilat honorable Cruise, engine okay. I was talking about. Um, it's another Brawl staple that made it into Smash 4 a lot more controversial and a lot more, like, people try and make it so that, like, you can't really pick that stage um, because mm. it is so just... Sometimes it's just put up the chance how it happens. 
Uh, so Lilac Cruise, um, it in terms of design, it's kind of like Battlefield, where there's one platform, one, one bottom platform, and then three platforms that are those fall three platforms I was talking about earlier. Um, but the stage shifts its y-axis occasionally because it's a starship going through space. It's trying to just, you know, have the Star Fox pizzazz in the background going on, but sometimes that interrupts the foreground. And when the when the stage turns, all the platforms turn, and all and the stage turns as well, which changes the dynamics of how you're grabbing onto the stage and how stuff interacts. And it's not unpredictable. Like generally, if you see it turning some this way, you're gonna if depending on the character, you're gonna want to stay away from that part of the stage because you just don't. You're you're fighting on like a, a literal like a Star Fox ship exactly, here. So exactly. like if it turns, then like oh yeah, it's gonna turn and. The properties are going to translate to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're sliding or like hanging on the edge and it tilts a little bit, like, oh well, you gotta like jump up in the air and try to like get back on the platform again. It's a little of that, and it's also a little of like you can easily, if a, if a character's in an advantageous situation, he can't just kill you because uh, you, you don't land back on the stage like you normally would. If you if you try and grab the ledge of the stage at, at an angle, you can be severely punished for it. Um, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the properties of projectiles and things when the, when the main stage is turned also get wonky. Sometimes projectiles will travel like the curvature of the stage, almost, it, almost like it has its own gravity. Sometimes they will go straight. And honestly, at, at times I, I don't know what, what it's going to do. Um, so that's another reason why it's a bit more uh, controversial, let's say, than any other Smash Brothers stage. I'd say... Uh, out of all of the stages in Smash Brothers that are, let's say, uh, compa com bleh, competitive, um, it's the one that generates the most controversy, just because of all that jank. And people don't like jank. Competitive people love their consistency. They love to see, like, <laughs> even something like Smashville, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the, where, where, the, where the stage moves, it's not random. You know, it, it, it will move back and forth at, at a certain rate. You can predict where it's going to go at a certain time. Right. It's controlled randomness, where Lilac Cruise is often uncontrolled randomness. But it, but it, does, it does have a lot of cameos from Star Fox characters, and if you play Fox or Falco, you can actually trigger little cutscenes, and that's fun. Even Wolf, too. I yeah, guess. Uh, I saw yeah, a few uh, oh. Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like actual characters from uh, Star Fox, you know, start interacting with the character on stage, or, or like you know, just chatting about like different characters in that yeah, match. Yeah, that was well, as you're playing. There was a little bit of that. I, I, I can play a clip of it. There was a little bit of that in melee on the uh, Corneria stage, where you're on the big, you're on the Great Fox, um, but it brawl went to the wall with this. There was this. And then there was uh, Shadow Moses Island with Snake. You could have Kodak conversations with the Colonel about every single character in the game. Just David Hayter going on soliloquies about, you know, like the the the, uh, the lonely the loneliness of Luigi, or like <laughs> Wario is a giant fat man that farts. This is Snake. Copy, Snake. This is Slippy. What? Who is this? What are you, some kind of frog? Easy there, buddy. Just thought I'd hop on the wireless and give you a holler. Don't get mad. Hacked right into my channel, huh? But I'm not here to mess nothing up. Don't worry. <sighs> just so you know, Falco uses a blaster and reflector that I designed, just like Fox does. But Falco will kick his reflector and send it flying around. Just showing off if you ask me. 
No reason a weapon can't have more than one use. In fact, I'd say its versatility shows how well you designed it. Hey, maybe so. I feel all fuzzy now. Thanks, Snake. Maybe next time we meet, you can design me a weapon. This guy kind of gives me the creeps. That's Wario, Snake. Wario first appeared as Mario's rival, but he really made his name in the WarioWare games. Watch out for Wario's bite. It's not just damage you take from it. What do you mean, Colonel? Wario loves garlic. He eats whole cloves of it day and night. So try not to get caught in his mouth. Once that smell gets on you, it'll stick to you for quite a while. <sighs> That's a scary thought. He also attacks by farting. He can fart to fly around, too. By farting? Are you kidding me? Sadly, no, I am not kidding. If his belly starts to bulge, watch out. That guy with the mustache. Ha! <laughs> you mean the king of second bananas? Hey, that's Luigi. Show him a little respect. Look at that pale skin. He's been living in his brother's shadow for too long. That's a low blow, Colonel. Ah, face it, Snake. Once a kid brother, always a kid brother. Colonel, what's gotten into you? Lolly Lule Lo, Lolly Lule Lo, Lolly Lule Lo. Colonel, snap out of it! Colonel! Colonel! <laughs> um, and that was very silly and very fun, and part of why I love Snake in that game so much, and it sucks that, like, contracts and negotiations and stuff mean he probably won't be in another Smash Brothers game, uh, period. That's just kind of the nature. Right. And, you know, Konami is not what it was, and it's in kind of rough shape, at least on the games department right now. Um, so, like, why would they even bother to? Why would they want to? Like, Sakurai did it as a favor to Kojima, and they were, like, friends in the industry, kind of, or at least, like, knew of each other, respected their work. And that's why that call kind of happened. Similar in ways to how Cloud got into Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Um, which is its own level of insanity that I could probably spend a whole podcast talking about. But I you digress. High-ranking uh, game developers talking about, like, hey, can you put my thing in my in your game? It's like, yeah, uh, sure, That would be fun. Not? Why not? I yeah, there's like this old uh, IGN interview I, I, I saw where uh, it said, uh, and I quote, like Sakurai said, the decision to include Solid Snake when Hideo Kojima himself practically begged begged to include the Metal Gear character in last in Melee, yeah. It was too far along. There was, like, the story of Melee is a story of what could have been in so many ways. Like, Sonic and Tails, despite the April Fool's jokes, were supposed to be characters in that game. Um, if it just had more time and more, more, more of a presence, but GameCube needed something besides Luigi's fucking mansion yeah, to tie people over. Like, Melee is the game that just keeps on giving, and it's still at Evo, and it's still... It's still kicking, you know, 18 years later, whatever it is. Like, it, it has, it's yeah. such a crazy legacy of a fighting game. I think, unlike any others. Sadly, that game did not have any Animal Crossing stuff, because Animal Crossing was that obscure Japanese-only thing on the N64 at that point. Mm -hmm. So no Smash Bros. in there, but uh, I think Animal Crossing would come out a few months after. I want to say that's like a summer 2002 game. I could get my dates mixed up, but um, it was definitely 2002 when we got in the States. 
So, didn't have time to really put something in, didn't have the foresight to really do that, but... Because, um, I mean, how could you predict that Animal Crossing was going to be as big as it was, really? Like, it was just, it, Like I said, obscure, kind of uh, small-time Japanese game made it big in the States somehow, so... Yeah, it was, it was interesting, because it was released on the 64 in 2001, April 14th in Japan. And then, it, it was released again in Japan on the GameCube in December 14th, 2001. That was like Animal Village And then something. It was like pre- it was proto-Animal yeah, Crossing. Exactly, yeah. But first, like, like when it was actually uh, localized and brought to North America, it was, you know, the, the very next year, September 15th, 2002. So it's like, almost like a literally a year later, it's like, ah, we're just bringing that over, see how it does, and on the GameCube and all that. I mean, that was the state the GameCube was already in that soon after they had launched that. They, they were just willing to try these chants, like, these little small larks, really. Um, and, and see if they pay off. And really, that's it, a lot of decisions that, that impact Nintendo today start from like GameCube sort of being a, a bit of a fizzle. Like like Smash uh, Brawl was definitely geared to be more of a party game than Smash Brothers Melee, which was right. Which was I'd say competitive on accident, and because it was such a rushed product. Like, uh, and and there, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, like tall tales of. Like uh, uh, Satori Wada, former head of Nintendo, um, like you know, cracking his knuckles late at night and just getting to work and making that game, making sure that game was coded in the way where it could ship, you know, like by December <laughs> it had to be out this time. Um, and as a result, uh, like those PAL versions that I was poking fun at that came out later, technically it's an updated, or as we would say now, patched version of the game. Um, there's differences between PAL Melee and like NTSC or Japanese and American Melee, so. And now, in the competitive scene, do the, does it matter if it's PAL or NTSC? Or there, like, there's, it, like, unless it's specified, it is NTSC. It is the American version. Because um, okay. otherwise, like, that would be, uh, like, oh, that would cause so many questions, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, you beat me on this version, that's, that's like, a, a, the one that nobody else really plays. Like, nobody plays the PAL version that much. Unless it's like a joke or something, like because like oh they buffed Falco in so many stupid ways, and Falco's already really good, so like people just call it like the Falco version or something, where where regular melee is like the Fox version. So. Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, and it all ties back into how like uh, Smash Brothers has, has kind of evolved and how it. Uh, you said at the at the start it kind of just it's Nintendo copying themselves, but I mean I would say that in the case of something like a Smashville. It was taking something that, that was already pretty popular and trying to make it more of, like, a representation of its source material. Because, like, up until then, stages were kind of just stages. Like, yeah, Donkey Kong had a stage where there was barrels and the background was painted like a jungle, but it didn't matter. Like, the, mm-hmm. you know, like, the Metroid stage have a little tiny pixel Ridley in the background. Uh, by the way, he should be in Smash Brothers. Um, but, <laughs> well, it... No stage really captured the soul of its game quite like Smashville, I think. And, it, and besides, like, your Metal Gear, like, uh, Shadow Moses Islands and stuff like that, uh, it's it's hard to think of a stage that's really done it since. I mean, there was... I think in Smash 4 they had, like, the entirety of the Great Cave Offensive from Kirby in it, which is this giant labyrinthian maze that is just a stage. Um, but hmm. that's when they added a player Smash. Um... And I think that's one of the ones that took advantage of it the most. And they actually updated, uh, after Smash Wii U came out, they updated Smashville uh, to be larger 
when you had eight-player mode enabled. So you'd have a larger platform. That would make sense, You'd have a yeah. larger uh, falling-through above platform just to accommodate the eight players because obviously, like, you, if you put eight players on the regular one, like, well, you're not going to have any breathing room. No fun at all. Um, is there anything else different about Brawl compared to Melee and uh, the uh, 64 version? Like, oh, real briefly, boy. like the broad, show, broad strokes. Um, Besides, like, the, the, the characters it's, and it's stages. It's far less technical in the way that Melee, by, again, accident, had a lot of techniques mm -hmm. that were just... You could cancel one movement into another movement um, in this thing called wave dashing, where you could just move a lot faster, so that if you're doing a combo and, and like, launch a guy to the other side of the stage... You can wave dash to him and hit him again before he gets out of it gets out of that combo. Um, Brawl didn't have as much of that. It had its own little techniques that I think didn't impact the game as much, like DI, which is directional input. Um, but it, it really didn't uh, satiate the competitive crowd as much. Obviously, there's still a, a competitive brawl scene, and, and now that we're so far removed from it. It's starting to get to that point where this thing that was kind of reviled, you get your revisionist history of like, oh man, remember the Brawl days? Brawl days! Like, oh, it was so good. There were Meta Knight. Give it five years. Five yeah. out of ten characters were Meta Knight. It was great. Like, if you want to, if you want to, like, make jokes about Fox being so dominating, like, Meta Knight was easily the most oppressive character in Smash Brothers. Like, history. People, people mock Bayonetta now for just being so broken and busted, but. Brawl Meta Knight was unlike anything I'd ever seen, man. Like, it is just, like, the stuff he could do. He felt like a melee character put into a brawl, into the brawl game. In okay. terms of technique and, and, and movement and all the crazy stuff he really does. Um, so, Kirby with a sword and wings. I, okay. I, yeah, but he had, like, his was less puffs and more like he used his wings a lot in terms of mobility. Mm. I, I had this annoying tornado attack that would always launch you in a certain way so you could always combo after it. So That's, that's what I was finding find interesting about the older fighting games where it's just like, well, this, this is cemented in time. Like, if it's, you know, if it's borked, if it's unbalanced, then it's like, well, we, there's nothing really we can do about it. Like, nowadays, obviously, you can just patch it out and say, like, uh, yeah, th this character's overpowered. We're going to try to, like, reduce it. Mm -hmm everyone's finding this one exploits but just like finding that in the competitive scene like like so so you're saying like fox is more or less like banned from like the smash Bros. i wouldn't go guys. so far as banned it's just that he's you know you look at all the characters and he's the best um there's still okay. stuff you can do against him but he's still far and away the best meta knight was the closest like there were times in smash brawl's history where uh meta knight was banned like you could just oh you could damn, ban okay. meta knight and you'd have to deal with it and Ironically enough, I think the next best character was Snake. Nobody ever got to the point where they were banning Snake, but Snake had a lot of <laughs> weird things about him. And, and and Snake was not a character that was super translated from from his source material. He didn't have any guns. Uh, mm -hmm. He mainly had like it's all it was CQC, all CQC yeah. and then like weird rocket launcher things that were so cartoonish that you know, oh, it's not imitatable. Well, well I can't. My, my child's exactly. not going to get a stinger missile and, like, you know, <laughs> like get a heat-seeking laser in on Samus. But if he had a gun, he would. So it, it, uh, He got out of the uh, competitive scene's targets by being a snake in the house. Uh, right. God, yeah, and I think Snake also did really well because... It, it, God, it was to the point where, like, imagine Meta Knight wasn't in the game. 
the entire metagame and how people play that game, I think, would have been a lot different because the reason Snake was so good is because he sometimes countered a lot of Meta Knight stuff. You know, he had a grenade that came out on, like, the first possible frame. Before you even see him pull it out of his pocket, the grenade's frames are there. So if you hit a guy who's holding a grenade, he just blows up. And because, Sna and because okay. Snake is so heavy... If you get an even trade, really, it's a benefit for Snake because you're at a higher percent. Snake can survive at very high percents. So, and there, there hmm. I couldn't tell you the amount of games on something like Smashville where, like, I have to plant the C4 in the air, blow myself up just so I have a little more upward mobility. Like, it was, like, playing Snake is like playing a, a fucking masochist. <laughs> Did the C4 actually hurt? It would hurt him, and he'd, your, it would blow character? him up. Okay. And it would launch... It would so launch it's not like a Junkrat situation from Overwatch, where it's like, you just throw a bomb there, and like you just get some more mobility, it's, and wouldn't hurt you at like all. It's like that, um, but besides, like you said, the it, it did it doesn't hurt Junkrat, it does hurt Snake. But if, but if it hurts see, another character in the way in the process, uh, then it's fine. Like It's a perfect bonus mm -hmm. for Snake. I love playing Snake on uh, Smashville because, like, Smashville, because of where the bottom platform is located, has a bit more room at the bottom of the uh, stage, you know, the empty space, if you will. Right. So there's more time for my Snake to plant a C4 and blow himself up. Um, the only problem is if you're at high enough percent and blow yourself up, you're going to launch yourself at the stage, so you have to do that tech thing I told you about earlier. Mm -hmm. Bounce off God, the wall. God, I miss right. Snake so much. I miss him so much. He was so... He was... <laughs> Easily my favorite character in Smash Brothers history. Like, oh. Uh, and at that point, you've never played a single uh, Metal Gear Solid oh, game. Of course right? not. No. Like, that was an emerated game. <laughs> I wasn't at that point yet. You know, like, I, I, I was still. Little baby Dylan. I was still bound yeah. by the ESRB at that point. You know, Smash Brothers being rated <laughs> T was odd to me. And I think that was because of Snake, um, mainly. I, I can't think of any other reason why the game would be T for Teen. All those cigarettes he smoked. God, yeah. yeah. And funny enough, the the popular Project M mod for uh, Brawl that made it play a little bit more like Melee, they retooled Snake a lot. They gave him a tranquilizer gun, and they gave him a taunt that was, he smokes a cigar, and he takes 1% of damage. It's very cute. <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, in Smashville, as you would expect, mods are crazy on the Wii. The, the Wii was lousy with mods, so there were so many Smashville mods where it's the same geometry, but the backgrounds are so wildly different. There's like snowy ones, there's like summer ones. They like it, it's almost like a blank canvas in terms of what you want to do with a a stage. Oh, wow, okay. Um, you need to see some of these because there's there, there's some that's like it's like oh the world's just stagnant and there's just giant tree in the background. Like it, it's it's very interesting some of the stages that they came up with for Smashville mods. Um, and as long as you don't touch the geometry, which is very easy to tell, um, mm -hmm. like it's perfectly legal, especially in like a Project M scenario where it's already a modified game. You're right. It, it does sound a lot like a blank canvas where you can paint on, like whatever, like sort of like environmental background things, like like you said, a tree or snow and all that. It, it, it seems like you can add a lot. Oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. Compared to like you know like a. What, what was it called? Like Lilac, Lilac Cruise. Cruise it's, it's so like, busy. It's, it's, it's a space it's battle. So like, of course, you're going to be on a rail. Busy and space battle-y. Like, uh, you could do that a little bit, but, I mean, the stage is still going to move, and you have to make that work. Like like I said, blank canvas for Smashville. It makes it so much easier. 
And, and at most, you might have to follow the geometry a little bit of the world, because it, there is a curvature of the Earth a little bit. Uh, Animal Crossing tries to sell that, uh, at just, you know, to increase the scope a little artificially. But, um, yeah, there's some great custom stages I should probably try and uh, pull up um, that you can see. Have you tried the stage builder mode at all? Uh, I, I did, and the one in Brawl was so garbage. Like, uh, I... <laughs> it, mm, man. Because, like, the, the Wii U at least had the tablet that you could draw a little bit and have a bit more creativity with the geometry. But, like, the Smash... The Brawl one was just so bad. Oh, God. Just building it. Imagine if you had to play Mario Maker without a tablet. Like, if you had to just do it block by block. And, like, and. On a controller. On, on, right. On a Wii remote. <laughs> Shit, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, it's, it's just. It's so fucking garbage, man. Although, I will yeah, say that you probably on, the, on Brawl could have used a GameCube controller. It was one of. The, it's one of the only Wii games that was so. I feel like they put that GameCube. Uh, those GameCube ports on the Wii just for Brawl. And they mm. made an adapter for for Smash Wii U for GameCube controllers just for Smash Brothers for Wii U. So like it, it's it's an iconic controller for the Smash world, even if you're just a melee player or a Smash Four player. So. But yeah, they they, yeah, they we, made the stage builder way better in Smash Four. It's still kind of lackluster, I, I, I in my opinion. But uh, it's 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 better. Kind of like the online play mm -hmm. in Brawl was fucking garbage. So that when it's even just a little better in Smash 4, it seems like a world's difference. Like, oh, I can actually well, play like with people on this one. <laughs> well, like, it, anything in terms of, like, using the Wi-Fi or internet on the Wii it was, it was like a crapshoot. Oh, anyway, it was, so it was, like, well, it, it was a this is all we get. crapshoot. But, out of the 41 stages in Brawl, you, you picked Smashville, which seems to me, I'm, I'm getting, you're, you're conveying, it's more like this perfect balance between, like, like, uh, more, more so the uh, fan servicey aspect of uh, Smash Brothers, and also the competitive scene mm -hmm. too. Now, like, is there anything else you want to mention about Smashville? Um, nothing super comes to mind that we haven't already said. I re I really like okay. how sometimes when when items are on, they'll fly overhead on balloons. Like uh, in Animal Crossing, sometimes items will come into town on balloons. Um, but because I have items off most of the time, I sometimes forget about that. Um, right, and usually right. it's like food or a tiny little item. Um, but like the amount of stuff they crammed into that, into that stage is very impressive. And I really, really like Smashville even now. Like if somebody's like, oh, you want to go Smashville? I'm like, of course. I love Smashville. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a neutral stage. It's such a pretty stage. Um, and in Smash 4, when they gave it the Omega form, which is literally every stage gets its own variation of Final Destination. Where it's just all flat. It has the same aesthetic. It's the but exact it's same. All... But the thing mm. is, it's, it's also funny. <laughs> There's no villagers or anything there. There's nobody watching. Uh, it's just like, like a, a partitioned off part of town. And it's the same stage with no... Um, with, with no second platform there. It's a little thinner, just so it fits Final Destination a little more. Um, because in Smash 4 they did this thing with a bunch of stages where every stage gets its own final destination, but it's a little different. The Mega Man stage is kind of like a building. So, like, you know where Final Destination has that bottom empty space? Mega right. Man stage is just a building. It's just a square thing. So, like, characters that can wall bounce. Great. Characters that... That sounds so boring. It's, it is kind of boring, but, I mean, 
Or they just let's, let's strip all they, the fun out of this stage just for, for, just for like the quote unquote competitive uh, the thing scene. Is, like I don't think competitive people even really like it. Competitive people will sooner right. go to Smashville. Competitive people will sooner go to like one Omega stage and never any of the others because like the Bayonetta stage, for example, still has some weird geometry going on where it looks like the stage is tilted on an axis. So when you grab the ledge, it doesn't look like you're grabbing a ledge. The Bayonetta stage, whoo boy. That is, if, hmm. <laughs> if you want, if you want like a ten minute mini episode, I can talk about that. How, the, how fucking weird that stage is, man. Oh. We can save it for the next maddening multiplayer in March next year, potentially. Oh, of course, of course. But uh, do you know who developed Brawl at all? Um, I mean, it, it was How Laboratories um, and solely How Laboratories for the last time, uh, headed up by Masahiro Sakurai, who was a, a former Kirby head. Um, but it was Hal Laboratories through and through. By the time they got to Smash 4, it was such a big institution that they, they brought in uh, Bandai Namco to help. Because they, they know their way around fighting games very well. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as, like, names go, they put Sakurai out in front and center. He's the head guy, from what I gather. Like, his, his decision is kind of uh, law, if you will. Um, right. But in terms of, like, who made it, it was definitely a how laboratories joint it, it, it seemed very much like a helm by they, they were the main developer and then then you, they had like three other um developers also working on the game mm -hmm. too they had uh sora limited which was the uh sakurai joint so it was developed by sakurai right yeah yeah he kind of had it just 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 to uh, produce projects for nintendo such as like kid yeah, icarus, kid icarus uprising. uprising yeah and also uh the, the Wii U and the 3DS version of Super Smash Brothers, you know, Super Smash 4, basically. Right. And also the uh, other other game developer was uh, Game Arts. Um, game Arts is, is credits to uh, Grandia and Lunar, and like Smash Brawl was their only credit in, in the Smash series. There was, there was like one and right. done. And then the, like the, the the last one was a, I don't want to say like a bit of a weird one, but uh, the Monolith Soft. That they, they played a they played a played a hand in Brawl as well, which like eventually led to the inclusion of Super Smash Bros. 4 with uh, Shulk and the Xeno and Xenoblade. Uh, that definitely Chronicles. warmed them up to the Smash Bros. team, and obviously a Shulk kind of character was coming. I know Xenoblade Chronicles, by the time Smash 4 came out, was a little old hat, but Shulk was, you know, the most iconic one there, for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm sure in the next Smash Bros., unless it's just a straight port, you're going to see, like, somebody from Xenoblade 2. And, like, Monolith Soft is... In a similar spot that Bandai Namco is in, in that sometimes they'll help out with like core Nintendo games from time to time. Uh, they helped develop Breath of the Wild. I think they helped kind of uh, helped with the framework of building an open world and having the Nintendo team kind of just fill it in from there. Hmm. So very interesting relationship Nintendo has with some of its like second party quote unquote developers. Yeah, that's what's always fun about. Like just interesting about uh, Nintendo games, where it's like it's, it's not all their their internal teams. It's like ah, oh, we're gonna commission someone else to do that to, to, to do that. That is I, I, iconic game. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, um, and, and a little bit of that was also in Metroid Prime with Retro Studios of like you know getting getting this sort of small, not really well known team, but under under the watchful eye of Shigeru Miyamoto, as legend says. But you know like. With Nintendo kind of keeping tabs on them and, and like having them craft this this thing, um, and rumor has it that Bandai Namco is doing the same thing they did with Brawl and or sorry Smash Four, 
and they're going to do that with Metroid Prime 4. So I'll be very interested to see how that goes because they like when it comes to Bandai Namco and Nintendo, they haven't had a flop yet, really. So yeah, so so we mentioned uh, Sakurai, but I also want to mention like getting a little into the story mode, which like I don't want to like go entirely in because we're talking about multiplayer, here. right? But I, I just want to like credit Nojima. Um, I'm, I'm gonna butcher this name, but uh, Kazi Huji Nojima. There probably might not be another time to mention this, but I wanted to address his career. He worked with the uh, now defunct Data East until Nojima joined Square Square from 1994 to th- 2003. From there, he would probably work on pretty much like every PS1 and PS2 Final Fantasy and Kingdom Kingdom Hearts game mm. as a scenario writer. Yeah. So more more or less like like as like co-writer of, of those, those games, games which and, like, this, and and having that kind of impact in, in the story mode for Smash is interesting. As was you bring up Square. Um, mm-hmm. Nobuo Uematsu, who is the main composer for Final Fantasies 1 through, I think, 9 or 10, uh, he did the main theme for Brawl, that operatic, like, da-na-na-na, like that. That was all him. So, a bit more... Oh, wow. A bit more of that Square that relationship that people don't think about. People think that Cloud might have been out of the blue, but maybe he really wasn't. Maybe there was a <laughs> tiny little relationship. So you know, tracing back your steps, exactly. Right. But uh, a c- couple last things about Nojima. Like, you know, like he worked on Final Fantasy 7, 8, 10, 10, 2, and even 13. And, like, as of late, like, his b- biggest recent work was Final Fantasy 15. Like, as, as the original story plot writer, which, like, he was the head writer of that, it, it, it seemed like it was a head writer of that. But just, like, no, no matter how long the, the development of that game is, I'm sure, I'm sure he, he, like, he sent the script in, like, five, seven years ago. But, you know, it's obviously like a, a recent release. Mm-hmm. But the last point, point I want to mention, like, he's probably also the reason why Aerith is dead. Oh, so, anyway, uh, Smashville. Well, technically, Cloud's the reason she's dead, because I think he let her drown. Well, he, he was the, uh, Nojima was the one who said, said like, uh, either Tifa or Aerith should Son die at the end. Although, yeah. it didn't lose at the end. It was like a third of the way through. Not to nitpick all over your, your point. But well, fair enough. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, and I'm perfectly fine continuing that. I trend. host an RPG podcast, <laughs> motherfucker. Which is why I host a level <laughs> podcast. Thank you very much. So, any closing comments about Super Smash Brothers Brawl? Um, no, I think I, th- I think we've got it covered. Like, obviously, my boy Snake. You know, he's gonna live and die in that game. And if I want to go back and play Snake, I'll just play Brawl, and I'm more than happy to do that. Um, so yeah, like, Brawl, I think, at, it was, at the time, a bit more reviled, but obviously as the nostalgia goggles start to get younger and younger, people's first Smash Brothers are gonna be Brawl, and they're gonna remember Brawl very fondly, so. And Smashville, as a result of that, just because of that, of how just colorful and expressive and neutral of a stage it really is. I gotcha, I gotcha. All right, and that should do it for this episode of Level Select. You can find me at 23Breach. I am, again, Robert Beach, if you haven't heard that earlier. And I am with my guest, Dylan Tierney. He is at Phazon117, or is it Tierney? There we go, okay. Find me there. There you go. That's the correct pronunciation. And you are also my co-Patreon host? 
creator? What? If you're if you're mean? a producer, then I guess I am like the co-creator. I guess. Co-creator, co-producer. Right. Anyway, we both have front up the P and B Patreon, which is part of how this show even came to be in the first place. Yeah, yeah, like patreon.com slash pnb. You can find pretty much all of our work there. Like every podcast we start putting up now, we're putting up on a post there. But we have various tiers where you can support the show. We get bon- You get bonus shows, especially in March. We'll be rolling out, oh gosh, a couple of bonus shows there. Some real good ones. We're going to be talking about Awesome Possum, one of them. Uh, That's going to be a real, real good one. Trust me on that. There's a couple uh, of good skits in there. Trust me. <laughs> But anything you want to talk about the, the Patreon, Dylan? Uh, yeah. Um, we're at the point where we passed the hundred dollar mark, which uh, unlocks the Full Metal Optimist podcast that myself and fellow PNB Ooh. Patreon, uh, Puba, if you will, Travis Foster. Uh, we will be doing an episode by episode breakdown of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, the wildly popular shonen anime that I think is coming up on its tenth year. Um, it's a show that I felt really strong about, and you know. When it comes to anime, and Robert, you know this more almost more than anybody, like, if I don't shut the fuck up about Dragon Ball for a day, I don't know what I'd do. So, to find another anime that I'm kind of, you know, into in a similar vein is something worth capitalizing on, so... And, and mm-hmm. Trav, naturally, is also a huge fan of that show as well. So, that, that's just a natural start. It just point. seemed like a natural right, pairing. Right, right. Exactly, it's more yeah. narrative-focused and less about, like, the... the just the fighting and the powering up and all the Dragon Ball stuff that you know and love. Like, mm-hmm. I think one day we'll have enough clout and, and cojones, if you will, to tackle Dragon Ball. But, I mean, for now, you got Giant Bomb for that. They beat us to the punch, and I'm never going to forgive myself for that. Oh, completely. I, I'm not going to forgive Kotaku for uh, re-releasing their uh, Titanfall 2 Effect and Cause article, explaining, like, oh, oh yeah, this level's pretty great. Let's write an entire article about it. And then that happened like a, a couple hours before I posted uh, the very first episode of Level Select, which was about effect and cause. But I'm not going to get angry about hey, it. Hey, the skit's still funny and t- works in that context, I'll say. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. that works. But again, that should do it for this episode of Level Select. And I think we're all out of plugs. Yeah, that'll do it. And that should do it. Anything you want to close out on? Any... any uh, Brawl music. Ooh, yeah, it's that's and Brawl is such an eclectic soundtrack. It was the first Smash Brothers to like, oh, we have like 300 songs, like no big deal. Um, but if you just want to play like the 2 a.m. KK Slider theme, that'd be great. Love that one. The yeah, best. that was definitely one of them in Smashville. Mm-hmm. There's there's several ones in Smashville that were really good. All right, mm-hmm. and that, should, that do should do it. And also, you should be hearing this on the pretty much the exact anniversary, 10 year anniversary of. Super Smash Brothers Brawl, March It's 9th, almost like I'm a professional. 2008. It almost, almost. almost. Good planning. <laughs> All right. We are set. And tune in next episode for Tiny Tower. What is it? 
something about that hedgehog rubs me the wrong way. Oh, you mean Sonic the Hedgehog? But everyone loves Sonic. He's a big star. Do you have any idea how excited people are that he's here in Brawl? Yeah, I know. But there's something about him I just don't like. But why? You must have some kind of reason. Nope. Just don't like him. You just listened to a show on the PNB Network. And it was made by people just like you. Here are our following executive producer on the show. Aziz Tuajeri, Brandon Lundy, John Olson, Hannah Temke, and Wesley Green. If you want to be like them, go to patreon.com slash PNB and sign up uh, for our $15 tier and become an executive producer on the show. Thanks. We love you guys. Bye.